You're listening to the Just Jazz & Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and r and I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire, no shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. So I could talk for on and on and on about Dina, but the best way to move forward is to invite you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay, so I'm a life and career coach and I work with people on getting them clear on where where and what next in their career. So basically career clarity. And the reason it's career clarity, not career change, is because sometimes we think we need a complete utter career change. I have clients who come in and they're like, no, that's it, I want to leave. And then after a few sessions together, I realized that actually we do one tweak if we change something. Um, sometimes it's been like talking to their boss. Um, sometimes it's been spending more time within after work activities, hobbies, like renewing themselves. So sometimes it's not uh, a change in career they need. They just a change in circumstances or mindset or something. So I work with people on career clarity, both one-on-one and in a group. I've got a group program also called Career Clarity. But I also work with self-employed creatives um, and on something completely different. So with them, I don't work on career change. They usually love what they're doing. It's more mindset and strategy. And in particular, I help them kind of break things down because they've got a million one ideas and they just need sometimes a road mapping sessions, breaking down to simple steps and just knowing what they really want to do. So basically, in a nutshell, it's helping people figure out what they want to do next in their work and their careers in their lives. Mm. oh figuring it out and I and I love the fact that you were just like creatives tend to love what they do uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting place uh to be if you you find yourself as a creative or a creative entrepreneur in some way shape or form because you're kind of fueled in a different way and it's something actually I was listening to a podcast this morning just talking about like what would happen if we saw our our business is not as a business first, but as a creative expression, as a vocation, as your quote unquote work in the world. And then maybe use the term business later on. And like, what would that do? Oh, my God. I've got yeah, got so much to say on that. Because <laughs> Actually, ironically enough, I didn't count myself as a creative and I was mm. coaching creative. So the reason I kind of got into coaching creatives is because I worked for this startup which was a career accelerator program for creators wanting to enter the fashion industry. So I was um, head of coaching for that part of the uh, company and I was coaching all these creatives uh, for two years. So that's how I kind of have that second niche um, to me. Yeah. But whilst I was coaching them, they all kept saying like, you know, you've got creative brain. And I kept being like, no, I don't, no, I'm not a creative, but continue. I do know what you mean. And then as soon as I started, um, as soon as I became self-employed, that's when my creativity exploded. You know, you have to pick mm. your website. Um, you have to become a copywriter. You have to become a marketeer, advertiser. You have to create a course. You create an experience. And I am really, really passionate actually about helping others, you know, really crack open their creativity. And I get a lot of people, mm. I do get some, well, I obviously work with creatives, but I also get people who come to me for career change and they say, oh, but I'm not a creative. Um, will you work with me? And a hundred times, a hundred percent of the time when I do work with them, I'm like, hello, what about this part of your creativity? And what about this creativity? Um, because they think, you know, creativity is just singing, dancing or painting, but it's actually, it's ideas as well. Um, mm. So yeah, I have a lot to say on that. <laughs> yeah, no, and I can totally relate. Like my husband is a creative in the traditional sense of the world, word in the sense that he's a music artist, he's a producer. So he works with instrumentation ultimately and, and obviously sitting to write music and things like that and as a result much of our friendship group are creatives and I remember when I first joined and I was just like I'm a creative too it just looks different um and you know they they attested to that and they agree yeah. um, with that but it can be really easy to go like that's for other people over there who like 
paint and sew Mm -hmm. and play Mm -hmm. an instrument versus actually yeah when you do break it down bringing an idea into the world makes you inherently creative in that sense right even um like my sister has become a mother and when I watch how she just operates in her day-to-day I'm like you can't tell me she's not a creative she she is flexing she's bringing it into the world she's got a vision (laughs) even the moment like when we found out she was pregnant she was just like no pink and I'm like she's still creative create a vision for her daughter you know where she's just like no no pink it's not happening you know she's just like we're gonna get some browns we're gonna get some beiges some yellows some greens and like Mm. to this day it's only very recently that some pink has crept (laughs) into my niece's wardrobe Um, yeah but it's just exactly that it's like creative direction yeah you can be a creative director or you can be the creative just bringing something from nothing ultimately and I think it's so interesting and I think that's the thing that I definitely enjoy talking to people who are in some variety of career transition some variety of career Mm -hmm. quote-unquote change um it's all about the possibilities and being able yeah. to be that mirror to say, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? I'm hearing mm-hmm. this. Tell me more on that. And them going, nobody has ever had a conversation with me about this. Or mm-hmm. I've never seen myself this way. But when I do, I feel inherently powerful and a bit more enabled to do what I need to do to create what I want to create in my life. So mm-hmm. I definitely think the language that we use and our identity is a huge, huge part of our career journeys um and I guess that brings me back to you a little bit in terms of the work that you do now you mentioned a little bit in terms of working for that startup and the create um incubator for creators really exposing Mm -hmm. you to that world and challenging your own perception of yourself but what else was part of that journey for you to this point so kind of where it all began (laughs) okay well I'll tell you so I didn't obviously become uh, I didn't begin life as a coach and I never knew I wanted to be a coach I studied psychology at university and I absolutely loved it I thought if everyone just knew what we learn in psychology like it just life would be simpler you know like everyone should know about cognitive dissonance and stuff like that um and but I didn't know what I was going to be afterwards. I knew I didn't want to be a therapist. And back then I couldn't really articulate why that was. Like, I wish I had a coach then to help me articulate it. But now I realize with hindsight, it's because I'm kind of, I am a natural born coach in a sense. I'm more kind of future focused and kind of solution focused and more like, all right, let's make a plan. Let's get working. Whereas, you know, therapy is a longer process. It's more, you know, past focused and things like that. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. I graduated in the world of work, graduated in 2008, which was the recession. Fun time to be there. Um, I I tried all types of, I wanted to get into, I think, experiential marketing first and then events, then music, then branding, then PR, but all of those industries were closed during the recession. And so mm. I just got a job because I needed the money and went into the NHS, which was actually not a bad place to work, apart from people shouting at you but the, the patients the clients sometimes losing it but um otherwise it was actually quite good but that was definitely not the place for me so mm-hmm. then what ensued was basically my quarter-life crisis years <laughs> so getting these like existential breakdowns I'm like why haven't I found my calling and like looking back it's like I was 24 like come on now <laughs> the calling like you know the calling or your profession it comes at any point like maybe it's good that it comes at 20 or whatever but it's not any worse if it comes later in life well and so I kind of went in and worked in different industries I was kind of I was at that point really stuck in a cycle which was my course life crisis was like just this hamster wheel of like get into job think I'm gonna like it a new industry work there for a bit and kind of be like yeah I'm not feeling it like I'm bored and you know like phasing out in meetings being like oh my god I can't believe we're discussing this this is so boring <laughs> you know and then and they're just getting on the jobs board and like looking for another job then finding another job getting in there being excited and then being like nope this isn't me again and so I did that mm. for years um I even escaped to to Buenos Aires I was like Do you know what it's UK that's the problem it's the climate <laughs> it's the climate it's that I'm gonna go off I'm gonna go to Argentina I really wanted to challenge myself I'm like that's it I don't know the language let me start a completely different profession I got a TEFL um, kind of certification and start teaching English 
yeah, but still like you can out, you, what I always say in my webinars for like the quarter life crisis, which is a really popular topic is like, you just, you're trying to outrun yourself and you think like the outside is the problem, but you're the, you're the crime scene every single time. So you have to kind of look in. And so when I came back from Argentina, I started kind of exploring personal development, self-development and going to all these workshops on like how to find your your dream job and like how to like what what happens if you've got too many ideas what happens if you don't have enough ideas kept going to those and it didn't work and then by complete accident I um stumbled upon positive psychology in a book I was reading and it's this kind of relatively new science when I say relatively new like the academia world moves very slow so it was kind of brought in in 1998 but it wasn't covered with my psychology degree. And so I was like, oh my God, this is like everything I've always really yearned for when I was studying psychology. So positive psychology is the study of optimal human functioning. So basically, whereas normal psychology looks at like what's wrong with you and can we fix it, fix you, fix it. Positive psychology looks at what's right, what are the people who are flourishing and thriving, like what are they doing and what can we glean from that? What can we learn from that? What can we start doing now to move us kind of closer to that? And so I was like in love with that and um, was like, well, I must have a piece of this. So I looked around and I found um, a master's in positive, applied positive psychology. And I went to dad, who's like, he's my coach, <laughs> basically. <laughs> my coach that I don't pay. <laughs> um, and I asked him, I was like, so what do you think? Is this a good idea? May I have your blessing? <laughs> And he was like, yeah. okay, but are you going to make the money back? Like, you know, yeah. at that point, the master's was nine grand. And so it's like, are you going to make the money back by being a positive psychologist? Mm. And I looked around. And it's and also, like, he's just like, psychology degree number two. What am I missing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And I looked around and I was like, yeah, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing job adverts for positive psychologists. It's like, it's still kind of a theory. The world isn't like, it, it won't have job applications for that. So, but, all that searching led me to coaching. So I discovered coaching, which I was like, wait, hang on a second. Why did no one tell me that this existed? <laughs> it's crazy. And, I relate. <laughs> I know. And then I started looking around and I did find some coaches out there, like in the world. And I was like, eh, this sleazy salesman, like, you know, back in, yeah, kind of yeah. back in those days, was very Tony Robbins, who I don't, you know, I don't hate him, but like there was a lot. I was going to say, he came so much for better or worse. I have much respect for what he's built, but he is, the only exemplar of that time that I can think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there was a very kind of alpha male, like, yeah, all of that. So I was like, well, I don't want to be that. I didn't see examples of me out there. And I was really torn about whether to become a coach or not. And then, and then I spoke to my friend and she was like, well, you know, a coaching is just kind of a vehicle. It's, you know, it, it is what you make it to be. So you're not going to be making it like sleazy. You're not going to be making it like all showy and everything else like that. You make it what you want it to be. But like what you were saying about creative direction, like you are the creator of what, of the experience. And I was like, oh my God, if I'm the creator, like, yeah, I can trust me. Like I've got ethics. I'm not going to be sleazy. And so I decided to take a plunge, did that master's part-time, which I was so glad for as well. It was, I looked around at other like coaching, coach training, coach institutes. And whilst they seemed good I was like I don't I'd like it's big investment I wasn't sure about it but when it was a master's it was like over two and a half years and I'd be back in academia which I really I do love I'm a geek <laughs> I like love a lecture hall so I did that I went back and then kind of became a coach um, and pretty early on got that um, that job as a full-time coach which really helped with the hours because I remember mm. I, honestly I felt like I manifested it I remember hang out with my friend who's also starting her business. And she was like, I don't know about you, but I never want to go back to employed like life. I'm like loving this. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay with employed life. <laughs> like actually like, you know, I just started <laughs> out and it was scary to go all in and not have yeah. that paycheck. So I was like, do you know what I'd love? I'd love like just a job where I was paid to be a full-time coach where I could just coach like days in, days out, and not worry about the marketing and advertising. And that's what that job was. So I was just, I got my coaching hours and I got like really stable of who I am as a coach, which really helped. And I didn't have to do the marketing and advertising. 
And my plan was, I was like, I'm going to stay with this company because I love them for like four, five years. And then we're just going to cruise into self-employed life. And what happened was that company went into administration after two years. <laughs> I was shoved into employment, self-employed life. And I was like, okay, here it goes. <laughs> oh, my God. So, and then I just remember like the first year, I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just see if I can make it a year. And mm. now I've realized it's been five years, so <laughs> made it, <laughs> but not made it, made it, but still possible, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you made it. And like, I would challenge you on like, not made it, made it. I get that. Like in pop yeah. culture, made it. It's like, I'm on the tarmac with my private jet. But I just mean like, you know, again, first of all, snap, our businesses are the same age, five years. Um, and I all pass off to you because it's a conscious decision. It's kind of like being in a relationship. People can look at your business and be like, you would not do any other thing. No, every entrepreneur I know has the story of when you almost broke up with your biz. And you're, mm-hmm. you looked at it like, what the hell is going on? I need you to behave yourself. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of element. So, you know, it's five years of conscious re-choosing, evolution, mm-hmm. having this entity challenge every fiber of your oh, self-awareness gosh. and identity yeah. and self-concept and resolve and nervous system and saying, I choose to do it anyway. Hi, my name is Dina and I'm a life and career coach. Oh, <laughs> it's gosh. like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like the biggest yeah. and best and scariest personal development journey you're ever going to go on. Because um, yeah. you think that like, I don't know, you can read something and you get it, but then you have to put yourself out there. And like you said, I love what you said about kind of recommitting or redeciding, be like, this is what I want. And like anyone, yeah, like you said, anyone who's self-employed has always been like, that's it. I'm going to get a job. Fuck this. <laughs> like, I gotta go. <laughs> and I exactly. thought about that. And I just remember being like, okay picturing myself in the interview and then being like why do you want to work here and me being like I don't your plan b because <laughs> like, you pay money real <laughs> currency that I can transfer to my land <laughs> real currency that I can say yeah. look dad it worked out okay like I kept my bargain I'm making it make money somehow yeah yeah oh my god yeah I mean yeah, I just go in there, get some money, and then come back again. Because at the end of the day, you're just like, oh, it's challenging, but I'm mm. growing so much and learning so much. And it's like a cycle. Like every everything that I learn, everything that I go through and learn, I can give back to my clients. So it's never mm. wasted all of these like like all these struggles that you go through. And like me and you, obviously, when we went through the pandemic, through a year of lockdown, mm-hmm. through a year of inflation, and it's like, hey, oh, we can survive this. <laughs> We can do that. Yeah. We are roaches. Not not in the yucky way, but just in the way like we out yeah. here, okay? We uh, are out here. Also, let me say it before. My business existed before the pandemic. So when the pandemic came, it was like getting on a roller coaster and being like, wee, okay, whatever's happening, I'm here, I'm strapped in, seat off of. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's do this loop-de-loop thing. Yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, that is huge. And I think exactly what you were saying about it being a huge learning opportunity, because I think I think that's the side, and you can you can like I'd love to hear your reflection as experiences on it, but I almost feel like we exist in a space where once you recognize just how accelerated your learning is as an entrepreneur, it's either difficult for you to go back or you do a bit of both. Because I think especially as high achievers, especially as self-confessed nerds, as you said, I don't need to ask permission to learn a new skill. I don't need to ask permission to spend the day reading. I don't need to ask permission to um, practice something, to reflect. Like I don't need to ask permission for any of those things. And that's actually the most structured learning. What is always <laughs> happening is the reflected learning and the, okay, mm. let me not lose my shit today and show up to the calls that are on my calendar. <laughs> There's that sort of self-awareness learning again. <laughs> But I think that's what actually, you know, one of the several things that encourages so many people to go into entrepreneurship. And I think for me, that's also what gets me so excited when I work with clients who have said, love the accelerated learning, love the freedom, but I want it in an employed context. And I'm going to show what that looks like. And that in turn challenges traditional organizations, communities, corporations to go, how can I give you that experience? 
within our exchange, right? Because either way, whether you're working for yourself or working for a company, there's an exchange of skill, Mm -hmm. effort, work in exchange for currency. The difference is we tend to be a lot more flexible and creative with it as self-employed folks. Um, Whereas in an organization, somebody's going, here's the desired output. Mm -hmm. And then if you're lucky, the environment goes, we don't mind how you get there. We don't mind the hours that it takes. Mm. Um, Heck, we don't mind if you want to take a sabbatical for it. So like there's more that's coming from it. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to know if you have seen any examples of that where folks have been allowed to and felt empowered to Mm -hmm. and felt very confident in saying, I want to have all these freedoms and be this entrepreneur and be this creative, but within the structure of mm-hmm. a bigger team or a global company with all their resources and their toys and whatever. But I'm just as ambitious. I'm just as driven by the learning. Mm, yeah, yeah. So what do they call them? Career entrepreneurs? Yeah, the entrepreneurs. I know, like, I pause to say it, like, so that on the video people understand this. I N T R A P R, etc. etc. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a shining example, honestly. You are, and I've yeah, I've seen some. I will say not that, not as many as Mm. I'd like to see. And when I have seen them, they tend to be in like in like top, like you know, either business development or maybe. Yeah, senior positions, mm. things like that. But I have seen them. And even in like well, fintech, I think more kind of mm. any more innovative ones. So I know this this uh, woman I'm thinking of, and she works in cryptocurrency, but mm. cryptocurrency. yeah, kind of she does that. Yeah, she talks a lot about crypto. So it's not actually, you know, give me your money and I'll invest it. But it's more talking about it and giving like lots of lectures and uh, talks like that. And But she's yeah. full time. And I remember like meeting her and thinking like she is so relaxed, like she doesn't have to like rush <laughs> off and go to like a meeting. Like she's obviously got a boss that's just like, I get it, you do it, and it looks really good on on the company as well because she's mm-hmm. out there talking and everyone's going to be looking her up. And when they find out that she works, you know, that place, then they're like, oh, okay, all right. So there are examples. I mean, do you know do you more know more examples of these like your clients? Um, yeah, I would, I would, I echo what you say. They are at a certain seniority mm-hmm. or they are in a position which isn't, they're in the specialist position, put it simply. Yeah. They aren't typically the team lead who has eight reports. Yeah. They are typically the sort of almost consultant within the organization. Mm-hmm. They get parachuted in to resolve yeah. certain things or do a certain thing within the client relationship and things like that. So even what you said, like business development, it's mm-hmm. just like, look, I go out there and I hunt gather. They don't really care how I do the hunt and gathering as long as I come back <laughs> with the results. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like echoing what you said, I'd love to see more examples of that, because mm-hmm. I think for me, and this is definitely quite a lofty conversation for our podcast, but <laughs> entrepreneurs, if they so choose, become the employers of the future. And essentially, mm-hmm. employment exists for a reason. It serves a function. But if we can kind of create this symbiotic sort of mm-hmm. challenging, then I think we all end up in a great place. There ends up being more space for us to all work in the ways that we want to, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing if we were to look at the world of work over the past Jeez, the past three years, the world of work just did a hyperspeed leap. Mm-hmm. But even what's been slowly happening over the past five to ten years is really, really exciting. To where you can have somebody like me who is spending their lunchtime recording a podcast. Slide that back fifteen mm-hmm. years. Uh-uh. Podcast yeah. is not an option. Using my lunchtime for my own stuff is yeah. not an option like all of that sort of stuff is completely yeah, yeah, yeah. evolved and it gets me excited for what happens if we keep on applying this sort of positive peer pressure on both sides mm-hmm. of things because it's also if I flip the script in terms of entrepreneurship you know the friends that I have who are just like this is super duper tough that forces them to go okay what part of employment did I throw in the bin that mm. I might actually like and they go I don't want to launch anything. I want a retainer. I want a three months minimum. Mm-hmm. I want a 30 day notice period. Heck, I don't want to have to wait 60 days for my invoice to be yeah. paid. I want to offer subscription models. So then they kind of get to everyone is like creating. OK, I want to have like some long term clients as well as short term clients. And I want to be able to um, do what I want when I want. But actually, I do value a bit of free uh, stability or consistency or just base level 
I know I can cover XYZ expenses in the business. And it's interesting. I was talking to a friend about it the other day and she's a full-time entrepreneur. She freelances, she contracts for different periods. She does a blend of that sort of format of stuff. And she was just saying how this year she realizes that she wants to have the longer term contracts, but it freaked her out because she was just like, but I like to look at flights. And if the flight to Mexico leaves next week, Tuesday, I like to be able to go. <laughs> I told this client that for two days every month, I'm going to be in their building delivering this training. Oh. And she was just like, it's really challenging my concept of commitment and freedom. And like, yeah. how can I still be free when I've said to somebody, I'm going to be here at this place doing this thing and feel really empowered with it and kind of make the most so that she doesn't, it doesn't bring back all the memories of when she worked full time and sure as hell could never be like on a flight to Mexico within the next five days, you know, yeah. open return ticket. So it's really, really interesting, like what we're seeing in the world of work overall. And I think at the time that we're recording this, the industry is going into something similar to. um, And when I say the industry, I I actually mean the world of work, the industry. (laughs) I work in tech. So Microsoft just let go of a couple thousand people. Google just let go of a couple thousand people. So that's what comes to mind for me. But insert your own industry and whatever is happening there. And I guess I'd love to know your perspective on, you know, when we're in these seasons where we're in essentially career crises, things are feeling a little bit out of control. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things that we should be keeping top of mind or what are the things that have helped you navigate seasons like that? Mm, yeah, really good question, because what happens is, I mean, I know from when I was in my call to life crisis, I called it that. I'm like, this is a crisis. Mm. This is a breakdown. This is torture. This is struggle. This is pain. And because you're, you're then your brain gets focused on all the things that aren't happening, how you compare to mm. your peers and your brain's like, yes, you are behind. And yes, this isn't working out for you. And it'll never work out. It's too late as well. Um, and so with my clients, when I see them thinking like that, I really recognize that because I'm like, okay, I've been there. And now I've got the benefit of hindsight and also mm. all these like tools and other things that I use my clients. And I kind of talk to them about how this is really an opportunity. And, I, and not only for like an opportunity for work, like to change work, but really to believe that when we're stuck, it's a fantastic opportunity to kind of develop ourselves. So the personal development opportunity, because if you just go in and change, like I was doing, change the job or change the environment, you're not being intentional about what change you want to be making. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I want more benefits, I want more freedom. But then you think, okay, but you can have a lot of other things. Like if you, but do you have like the confidence to ask for Mm. them? Do you have the awareness, the skills, kind of the strategy? And so that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients. Kind of take them through the, call the meaningful change method. So not just, not just change, not career change, but a meaningful change. Mm. It's about three steps, um, self-discovery, self-development, and then self-mastery. So the self-discovery is just like, okay, let's take stock of all kind of your strengths and your values. And values change every single year. What's important now, like, you know, it may not be important in the future. So really rediscovering who you are. And like, honestly, nine out of ten times when I talk to people about their strengths, they can't name them, get all shy about it and really humble and be like, no, I couldn't possibly talk about myself. You know, and it's like, this isn't. This is a conversation worth having because if you can't talk about yourself, you can't name your strength, then you will be holding yourself back, you know. Mm. So that's the whole self-discovery bit. Um, And also um, looking at all your interests because a lot of people get very fixated on an identity or a thing like I'm a coach and I can do that. And I've gone through the exercises that I give my clients, which is like basically having a mind map of like all your interests to be like, well, if I wasn't doing coaching, what else could I be doing? And having multiple possible selves, possible careers, so that you don't get too like grabby and like needy for like this thing to work out. You can see that you've got kind of yeah, you've got so many possibilities, but you choose this one. And if you and if any time that you don't want to be choosing that one, or if you grow out of it, you've got other options. So it's so so then you can manage kind of change easily. Um, and then self. Development is just all those blocks that I love. I love finding them within myself. There's like blind spots. Um, yeah, all those perfectionism, everything, imposter syndrome, working on those blocks. And you feel so 
empowered when you're like, oh my God, like, you know, I've been working on this. I can swap my mind when it does that. I can now turn my mind around. I don't need to like catastrophize or anything like that. Mm. And like really develop yourself. And from that place, then go and pick your career and choose your career and choose what you want to do. And so like then it becomes such a much more empowered choice. The self-mastery bit. So you can you can kind of go on your way after the self-development and uh, the self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Self-development. Yeah. The self-mastery is more kind of like um, is, is more advanced and it's like if you do want to continue with coaching, it's more about nervous system regulation, visibility blocks um, and inner child work and things like that. So really knowing how to and pull yourself back if you're over-triggered or kind of really work, yeah, basically with your nervous system and all those, like, energy things mm. and all kind of woo stuff as well. So the, like, the things that is, like, aren't pressing and urgent, but once you get to them, it is, like, really rich self-discovery as well. Yeah, I love that. Also love a bit of woo. I oh. love a bit of woo. Especially for ambitious folks, high achievers listening, get into some woo, because what oh, yeah. it will do is switch off the do-do-do-do-do part of your brain. Wow. Like, and I said that very dramatically, but I did that on purpose. It gets <laughs> us into a side of our brain that we don't often visit unless we already have like a spiritual practice yeah. or, you know, we do things like yoga, mindfulness, breath work, EFT, right? It already, again, all of the above, woo, because they tap into, again, like the positive psychology, the scientific side of like what is happening in your body and getting that congruence between your thoughts mm-hmm. and your embodiment, all of, oh, I could talk about it for ages. Yes, yes. <laughs> if, yeah, if you don't remember anything from our entire conversation, get into the work. Um, but 100%, I love that you take people through that process because even as you were saying it, um, I skim read, so I confess I didn't read the whole thing. I'm going to go back and read the whole thing before this episode comes out. So if anybody wants to DM us, they can, incredibly. Um, I saw the headline on a stylist article saying like the new thing for 2023 is career committing. And oh, I think yeah. this is the part that people skip, right? And this is the part where it's like, I read it with a pinch of salt because I was just like, oh, another thing. Why do we always need to have like a thing in careers? I know yeah. that. Looks- and they're just uh, quiet quitting. What was, what was it? The, the great walkout? Quiet quitting, like, great, great resignation. Great resignation, quiet quitting. Great, oh. Just all of these different things. And I get it, right? There's a side of me that I enjoy it because I'm like, yay, people are having more above the table conversations about careers, right? But the other side, I'm just like, ah, your career's cute, your career, and it's very personal. And I think the part that we miss out when we do these polarizing things is that they inherently tell us what to do. So... Mm-hmm. Quiet quitting was telling us to have some boundaries. As far as I'm concerned, that's not a revolutionary concept, but mm-hmm. something that you and I have probably been working with clients on for years. Um, <laughs> again, great resignation. People have been leaving their jobs for a while as well. Just because you read this article doesn't mean that that's what you should definitely do. And I think I see the same thing with um, career crisis or mm-hmm. just anybody in a period of career transition, instability, and, and like you said, what you work with is clarity, because mm-hmm. I think quite often when folks come to definitely to me with this is that clear cl- career clarity equals career change. All roads lead to career change. When really when you're looking at meaningful change, that actually might mean that you recommit to what you're doing. You double down, you fall back in love with your existing Mm -hmm. career, exactly how it is. And the only thing that shifts is you. And that Mm -hmm. also becomes so exciting when you talk about long term coaching is because you get to tuck into all of that. You get to tuck into the things that you've maybe overlooked, but also it's less reactionary. It's more something's going on, let me investigate, as opposed to something's going on, I need to get out of here. And I get that. Our Mm -hmm. nervous system will do that. Our Mm -hmm. friendship circles will encourage us to do that, right? If I was to call up a friend and go, oh my goodness, like my manager makes my skin crawl, or indeed something that has happened to me, I was being bullied at work, which made me want to throw it all away. Mm-hmm. But I had to go inside and go, okay, this is one part here. How can I strengthen all other parts of my career experience mm-hmm. so that I don't throw it in the bin? Um, so like having that meaningful change when we discuss that, I think it's mm-hmm. so important for people to know that that could be mm-hmm. you. From the mm-hmm. outside, everything stays the same. 
This episode is brought to you courtesy of The Vault, my membership that is the secret weapon for high achievers everywhere. Through our private podcasts, monthly group coaching, and intuitive networking, we have a community of folks who get it and are busy go-getting. Go to justjazz.co forward slash vault to join us today. The thing about career clarity is why it's so good. It's like you do have the answers within you. It's really empowering. It's like Mm. when you get your mind clear, then your brain doesn't waste energy and indecision, which is what people go. They come with me with like a mental fog. Should I do this? And they have all these timelines. Should I do this? But I should do this before that. And what if I want a kid? What if they've got all these timelines and things they have to fit that is just an absolute chaos. And so when you get clear, then you can do like you can take yourself out of the mess. You know exactly what to do. And so that's why Mm. I also have a process because you're absolutely right. People sometimes come to me in a reactionary state. They're like, oh, I need it now. And when it's urgent and you're in that state, you know, it's not <laughs> good decisions won't happen. So we take them through. And this is why it's a process and takes some time because it's like, hey, let, let's calm down. <laughs> like, let's look at it mm. and slowly go through it. And then when you take more time with it and then you're far away from whatever situation instigated the kind of the urgency and you can really see like have a big picture view of what's happening and then make decisions from there i also get um the thing that instigates i also get milestone birthdays so anyone mm. approaching 40 they're like okay okay <laughs> something has to flip it upside down throw it in the bin <laughs> yeah 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 40s and 30s so i get a lot and they're like all right okay, let's talk change because I have to change something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, maybe it's just the haircut. We can yeah. leave the career where it is. Have a party. Where we live. Out. Don't sell the house. <laughs> yeah. Fringe, bang. Heavy considered, <laughs> bang. I feel like that would bring you peace and contentment and fulfillment. <laughs> you know, but we, we say it jokingly because we've been there, right? So for any of you listening, like we're not laughing at you, we're laughing with us all. Yes. That we, yeah. we have been through that space of like the world is crumbling or everybody is like super concerned with what I do with my career and they're judging me everybody's mm-hmm. judging me and I think that's one of the things that I see comes up a lot in terms of career change so again if you go through that process of finding clarity and it is that something needs to change there are a few, few things that happen that are somewhat less helpful I'm I'm a big believer in like there's no such thing as failure. You're always learning something. There's always mm. something to be taken from every experience. But I think there are some mistakes that we can make when we are decided on changing our career. Um, mm. And obviously, I can give people the shopping list, but I'd much rather listen <laughs> to you. What are some of the mistakes? Say, like if if they were three, like you know, what are the biggest mistakes that you see when it comes to career change, and and perhaps what we could do to avoid those? Um. Well, people, they're not going to love it, like hearing it. <laughs> start, <laughs> start before it's urgent. So if there's like little kind of flames and flickers of just like, oh, I don't like that this is being as happening, or oh, I feel this inkling to be more creative, for example. I know I keep going back to that example, but be more creative, and then you just push it down and be like, oh, it's not possible. Like, oh, I mm. can't. It's not. It's not rational. It's not logical. Um, no one else does it. So when you have those little flickers, either good flickers where it's like, like, oh, do this, like little whispers of just like, maybe you should be, you should do this. Maybe you want to speak on stage or maybe you want to do that. Either good flickers or little bad things that happen. Again, like your boss pushing the boundaries. That is when you should go and work, like do some personal development. Uh, you could do it in groups, you could do workshops, but like really working on those things um, because they don't go away. They just grow. Mm. And then what happens is you don't listen to them. And then suddenly that's when it explodes and you're like, I hate my job and I want to be creative, but I'm stuck because I can't because you you can't make a living as a creative. You know, people have these Mm. myths. So what you should do is when you have those flickers, go in, work with a coach or in a group, but just explore those things that keep coming to you because they come to you for a reason. And so many people, my my clients that I see have those – myths about success or what they're capable of or what is possible Mm. and I love dispelling those myths because I've got for any thing they say like you can't be creative and successful I've got a million and one examples from my clients from what I've seen of people just doing that exact thing so anything they say I'm like yep I've seen someone do this and they're like oh but it's going to be feast and famine I'm like well I've seen this person build a business like this oh but I have to work all hours well I've seen this business 
millions working three days a week, you know, all of these kind of things. So that's n- number one thing. Um, I, th- I think that's going to be my main one, actually, because that's yeah. <laughs> kind of that one. I guess and it, this, this, I was thinking about it, two and three just relate to the same thing. And it's like not believing in your potential, like mm. not thinking that you're you're not special or you can't do it or like it's too late that one I hear and I hear I hear that it's too late from like people who you know in their 20s and I'm like no yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like every age I've heard it's too late I'm like no. too late oh, yeah and yeah. it's like who's whose concept of too late are we working towards what who gave us these rules it's, you know who it is it's that's Forbes 30 under 30 or any of those lists yeah. who are celebrating the young any kind of time mm. we see like young talent emerging I'm like you. I want to be celebrating yeah. those people who did a career shift at 50 and 60 like why are we just there's so much wisdom to come from the and they've got so much more like to risk as well mm. like no but you've got it all like you make a mistake you pick yourself up you've got so much energy or so much like potential and everything else but later on in life that's when it's like harder and so those yeah. things should be celebrated yeah Hundred percent. Oh gosh, we could get on another tangent. Yeah, I can I feel it. Set up to just oh, we're obsessed with these <laughs> Oh, it's an industry. It's a billion, multi-billion-dollar industry worldwide to make us feel bad for aging. Uh, that's why we love people like Jane Fonda. Um, because she's just like great, and uh, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love the energy. Um. Thank you so much for sharing those tips because I think it's so important. And actually, it brought something to mind, which I think for any of you that are listening to essentially what is two coaches riff about career and (laughs) who we work with and why we work with them that way and what we've seen in our own careers and just around us. Right. We We are ever so slightly career obsessed and we're like not ashamed of that. What I would say is one of the hidden benefits sometimes of working with a coach if you're in that space, right, that space that's just before it gets super bad and unbearable, or if you're in that unbearable place, the beauty of actually working with a coach is that we can be that voice of impartiality, but Mm -hmm. potential, right? A lot of people think your coach will be your sobering voice. Like, I, I literally had a call with somebody last week, and they were just like, so what do you think I could get? right in terms of looking for a next role and I'm just like I just I'm just not wired that way yeah. I like to unlock the possibility yeah and you know you can have that conversation with your partner or your best friend or your colleague or, or heck right we're talking in the season of restructures you might have a great relationship with your manager who you know you've both been under redundancy and you kind of go what should I be going for what did you mm. see in my skills um but there also is that scenario where sometimes it's difficult for you to believe what those trusted peers actually say and coming into a space with a coach where we genuinely have zero reason to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Like the end of this session, I go and have my lunch, right? It's not <laughs> affecting my life, right? I don't live with you. We don't split bills. And again, this is not me saying like, look at your peers and your loved ones with suspicion. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I just mean it to say sometimes you get to that space where it's just like, oh, you're just being nice. Whereas it's just like, no, you can get into a space with a coach. And like for me, going back to what you said about like asking about the strengths, this is why I just force my clients. Okay, look, you're going to get the Gallup Clifton strength thing. Fill in the questions. You can disagree with the thing, but it's a tool there to get us kicked off and get us kick-started, especially those that work on my intensive package because time is very short. But (laughs) I say that to say you get these reflections back that you maybe haven't had before that help you think big. And then our work becomes to whittle that in with some clear steps. But more than anything, you will walk away from that conversation with a greater concept of what your potential actually is, because we're just impartial and we live in la la land. Right. We live in the land of I've seen it exactly like you said. Mm-hmm. You're just like, I just have countless examples of it never being too late. So. I just wonder how is what evidence do you have that it's too late? Like just let's just play the game. Right? Let's yeah, play yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And how can we find exemplars to the contrary, right? That is mm-hmm. that's the actual space that gets unlocked when you get into a coaching conversation. Even versus like a therapy conversation or a counseling conversation, we are wired to be like forward, big, expansive possibility opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then we work from there. 
Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it's that drop. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I know. Mic drop. TED talk over possibilities. <laughs> yeah, there was a um, little way we could go sideways, but I was like, no, that will unlock like another half hour conversation. It was about. <laughs> it was about the. Give it. Give it to me now. It was about the strength tools. Let's do it. Let's do it because no, I've mentioned no. it, and I feel like we have a responsibility to give a perspective on them. <laughs> so let's well, get into gonna, it. I was going to say strength tools plus what we also use human design. Also, I love mm. Enneagram and yeah. they're just, they're like, you know, they shouldn't be taken as gospel. Like this is it, this is you, but it's such a good, um, it's such a good springboard to have that conversation and um, different people react with different ones. So there's the Clifton strength one. Um, there's also from positive psychology world, there's fire, which is values in action which you can find, I think, at fire.org or fire. It's character strength, basically, for impulsive yeah. psychology character strength. And it's such a good um, conversation starter because sometimes, as going back to the point you were saying, like sometimes people, people's friends just tell them the same thing or variations of the same thing, and maybe, you know, maybe you're like that and um, you stop listening because, let's face it, sometimes mm. it becomes like wallpaper. And so, some, and so a way to kind of break through that and kind of wake you up sometimes is a test like a strengths test to give you results mm. in a different language than you're used to and then you're like oh okay maybe i am woo as one of the things in the clifton strengths are I'm like okay yeah. right so that is a strength and then it gets you thinking okay so why are these like my top strengths and then thinking oh well everyone else has them right because that's the thing about strengths is they come so easily to you that you think that it's no big deal but actually, that is a strength, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's mm -hmm. huge. And, and thank you. I'm so happy that you followed, you, you went down this tangent. Because I think it is important. I think it's, you know, and I think from how you've articulated that, we're both on the same page to say that it's a reflection. It doesn't need to be like the gospel truth. Like, yeah. I am this thing now. Right. Yeah, you can yeah. have, engage in a discussion with the results that it gives you, the language that it gives you, the the examples, the tools. Right. Most of these tools also come with like suggestions and mm -hmm. sort of onwards insight, I say, on like how to leverage the strength or situations you thrive in versus situations that stifle you and vice versa. And like I absolutely love them just as a tool of self-awareness, just like coaching. A coaching conversation is a tool of self-awareness. Reading a book is a tool of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Heck, even the mindless Instagram stroll can be a tool of self-awareness because all they are is just different mirrors of different shapes yeah, and sizes yeah, yeah. right it's like when you go to the circus and you go into like the the fun house and it's just like this is what i'd look like if i was wavy this is right. what i look like if i was tall <laughs> and you know that you're still you at the core of whatever is yeah, in this yeah. mirror but it's interesting to kind of go hmm mm -hmm. okay I love that analogy. I was wondering where you're going there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Instagram is like, yeah, but it's true. Also, you can use it in different ways because I bet loads of people go through Instagram and then get really envious, you know, and like compare and despair. But the envy tells you something. It's telling you like maybe you want freedom. Maybe you want to have more fun in your life. Like if you listen to it, it can be a tool. And I know it's just two coaches being like, but everything is a possibility and a lesson and an awakening. <laughs> But it is, it's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. So many things. Naturally, I think it goes without saying, if you want to continue these kind of conversations with either of us, reach out. All the bits yeah. involved will be in the show notes. Um, and on the website, I will link in some of these tools that we've mentioned. Um, some of them you can get a free version of online. So Clifton Strength specifically is £15. Mm -hmm. But they do have a more affordable version and there are like free strengths pro profiling tools mm -hmm. as well. So we want to be mindful that not everybody has the budget to run off and do all of these assessments and <laughs> all of these tools. But we definitely want you to get curious about them and kind of what they could reflect back. Um, so as we close, I would love to ask the kind of hot seat question, but I don't know whether hot seat, a hot seat doesn't actually sound like a nice thing. So I need to find a new phrase for that. And that's that's homework for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, but just more of a, a summarising question, right? If you were in a room full of high achievers, which we technically are with this podcast, <laughs> um, what would you want them to know, right? Here and here and now, what would be your message to them? What would be um, 
yeah, your thought for that? I think anything um, unpleasant that is not anything, but most things that are unpleasant, like we particularly work with people who are stuck or lost or just in paralysis analysis, anything like that is a sign that some personal development needs to happen. And and it's not going to be like, here's a book, do some studying, all of that. Like personal development can be so fun. And it's, it's, nothing's gone wrong if you're stuck. It's an opportunity to basically create the life that you really want to. So it's just a reframe, the usual favorite coaching tool of the reframe. Like something's going on, this is meant for you. And actually one of my coaching, mm-hmm. one of my favorite coaching questions that I use on myself all the time is, if this isn't happening to me, it's happening for me, what possibilities is it opening up? Oh, yeah. possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it. Thank you so, so much for all of the conversations. I feel like this conversation was like three in one. But again, oh I feel like it was meant to be that way, right? As I said at the top of the episode, we have been doing what we can to get to this point where we finally record after many moons and months. So um, it was so worth it. Fun chat. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much for creating this space and being such a wonderful, so easy to talk to host. It's been a real, real pleasure. You are so, so welcome. I would love, love, love for you to just share with our listeners, how can they connect with you in your journey, even find out more about how you work with folks who are in this space of mm-hmm. career crisis, needing that clarity. Um, can you can you share some of those resources yeah. with us? Um, best place to find me is in on my newsletter. Dina. So if you go to Dina Grishin, G-R-I-S-H-I-N for November, and that's my website and sign up to the newsletter. That's I show up there every week and that's where you get like the rawest, uh, like everything, just that is my most committed place that I show up. Uh, Instagram, you can add me there. Also, Dina Grishin, I show up there sometimes. <laughs> LinkedIn, I show up there sometimes. <laughs> but what I'm going to do is take a leaf out of Jazz's book and, and do podcasts is what my aim for this year is and show up there a lot more. But in the meantime, my newsletter is the place for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I also totally relate. I feel like people who have been on my newsletter for at least six months could probably walk up to the street, like up to me in the street and share some very personal things about my life. That I don't think I've even shared with like yeah. friends. It's definitely <laughs> a, de- a dear diary sort of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, super excited for people to dive in and just really get to know you in that sort of yeah. intimate space on the newsletter too. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. Don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.